I want you to take your Bible. I want you to turn me to the book of Matthew chapter 14, first book in the New Testament. Now, we're going to Philippians, but we're going to swing by Matthew's house on the way there. We're going to talk about living above the junk tonight. Any junk in 2020? Let me tell you what I've learned. And I, I just, I'm sort of thinking it's going to be like this because I know the Bible. I know prophecy. Till Jesus gets back, there's going to be junk in the earth. I, I know you didn't come to hear that tonight, but I just thought I'd clarify. There's going to be junk in the earth. There's going to be junk in the nation. Every family's going to have junk in it. They ain't but one perfect family and they left the earth years ago. Every life's got junk in it. it. Just every church is full of junk. That's why we have churches because people need help. And they're just going to be junk till Jesus gets back. It's called the Give You Junk to Jesus program. That's what we got going on here. But let me tell you what this Bible teaches. I'm going to give you one of the greatest gifts you ever got tonight. You can live above the junk. And I'm going to take you in God's word tonight and show that we can live above the junk. I've had people, I've taught on this. I've had people, dear Christian people, argue with me about it. Till Jesus rewrites his book, there ain't no arguing to be done. His word is true. And this is one of the best news I I ever heard in my life. Matter of fact, what we're going to look at in Philippians, nothing has changed my life more on this earth than five verses in Philippians. Nothing has given me more hope and excitement and just lifted me above the junk than what we're going to look at tonight. But on the way there, I want to look at another picture of living above the junk. And it's in the life of Matthew. And you'll be familiar with this. uh, Perhaps if you've been in church, you've been a believer. You'll be familiar with this. I want you to look with me in Matthew chapter 14. And the Bible talks about something that happened here. I want you to see something. Matthew 14, 22. Jesus made his disciples get in a boat, go before him to the other side of the lake while he sent the multitude away. When he sent the multitude away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was alone. The boat was in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves for the wind was contrary. You understand that language to mean they were trapped in a storm. And it was a terrible storm. They're caught in this terrible storm. I don't know if you've ever been to that lake there uh, in the Sea of Galilee. It can be like glass one minute and a raging storm the next. Just wipe every boat out. It's just a strange place because of the way the wind comes down the mountains. So in a moment, it can just be terrible. All right, this is what happened to them. Fourth watch of the night, middle of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. Now, if you don't believe in miracles, you just have to sort of cut that out. But I think if he can make the sea, he can walk on it. Anyway, he's walking on the sea. Verse 26, his disciples saw him walking on the sea. They were troubled, scared. They said, it's a ghost. They cried out for fear. Verse 27, immediately, Jesus spoke to them. I want you to look at what he said. Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. Now, let me, remind, let me remind you something now. He has not stopped the storm. The storm is still going on. And in the middle of this storm that's threatening their life, he said to them, actually told him to do two things. He told him, number one, there should be no fear in your life in the middle of the storm. Don't be afraid. He said, be of good cheer. It's actually our word for encouragement. Take courage. Some versions say take courage or be encouraged. He said, now listen to this. He said, you can have no fear and live encouraged even in the middle of the storm. And I want you to do it. And what's the reason? Because he said, your Bible might say, I am here. The literal reading just simply says, I am. Did you remember that? When Moses said, who do I tell him sent me? And he said, you tell him I am sent you. And he said, because of my presence, even while the storm is still right. Now, you know, surely if Jesus loved me, he'd stop the storm. Can I get a witness? Not on that. You won't get no witness. Why didn't he stop this year? Why didn't he stop the storm in my life right now? I got storms in my life right now. 
Why didn't he stop the storm in his land? Why didn't he stop? Why didn't he stop all these storms? He didn't stop the storm. He said to him, I want you to be fear free and encouraged before I stop the storm. All right. So he paints a picture. Now here's an illustration. And uh, by the way, I memorized Matthew 14, 27. I take it as a personal command to me. I believe it's all right to be fear free and be, be encouraged as you walk through this earth. I love those words right there. If you can't remember it that way, remember it like this. No fear, good cheer, I am here. That's how I remember it. So when I need to say it once in a while. Verse 28, Peter said to him, if it's you, let me come to you on the water. What is wrong with this man? I don't know, but I love him. Let me come to you on the water. Jesus said, come. And when Peter came down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. How many of you think that really happened? Let me do a little side lesson here. If you can't believe all of it, just throw the whole thing in the garbage. It's all true. And when he focused on the storm where he saw the wind, was terrible, boisterous, tremendous storm. He was afraid and he began to sink. I guess God changed his mind, didn't he? No, I think Peter changed his view. And he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus said to him, you had your chance, die, sucker. <laughs> no, <laughs> Jesus stretched out his hand, caught him and said to him, dear, dear Simon, I'm so... No, what did Jesus say to him? Oh, you have little faith. You have little faith. Why did you doubt? Was Jesus being ugly? Actually, Jesus was helping him, wasn't he? He was helping him find out this is why you got in the mess you got in. Let's don't do it no more. Little doubt. And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Those who were in the boat came, came and worshiped him saying, truly you are the son of God. I bet so if man walks on water. I'd say that about him too. What question? Why is this in the Bible? How many of you think this is so you can take your bass boat and go to Jordan Lake and try it? You know better than that. This is not about walking on water. Didn't you see two, two parallel stories within that story? What is God Almighty? Now remember, this is not a history book. The Bible is God speaking to you. What's he saying to you? I don't care how great the storm is around you. You can live above it. You can walk above the storm. Did Simon walk above the storms? And we're not talking about a windstorm. We're talking about the garbage that goes on in life. We're talking about the political upheaval, the national upheaval, the relational strife, the physical problems, the junk in this land. Uh, let me give you one of the great promises that God gave us. And uh, you, you may have never heard this one before. One of the great promises he gave us, John 16, 33, in this world, you will have tribulation. Does anybody know if he said that or not? Well, you can look it up if you don't trust me. John 16, 33, in this world, you will have tribulation. How many of you think he's kept that promise so far? Listen to the rest of it but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So what he tell me there, you can forget having a trouble-free life, but you can enjoy a cheerful overcoming life in the middle of the mess. We got to change the way we think, dear ones. Quit wishing everybody to do right. Learn how to celebrate while they're not doing right. Quit wishing politicians that act like they got some sense. That ain't going to happen. Learn how to live above the garbage. Quit wishing you had a family with no problems. Learn how to celebrate in the middle of the problems. What's this lesson out of this passage right here? The storms are going to be here. It's not about me stopping the storm. It's about you learning how to live above them. And, and what was the key word in there? Faith. He said, you, you were doing good in faith, but somehow your fear overcame your faith and you collapsed. All right. <clears throat> Let me ask some questions. This is why this is in the Bible. How many of you think, now listen, let's, let's don't be religious tonight. Okay. You're supposed to say amen when I say don't be religious. Do you really think it's possible in the day-to-day, -day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, nitty-gritty to really live above the garbage of this life? 
was his book teach right here. It really is. It really is possible. All right, let me throw this in here. I maybe think it'd be wonderful. What if you could live your life unaffected by the crap going on around you? I'm going to see who's here tonight and see what I can say. Okay, we're safe. How many of you think it'd just be wonderful not to be knocked around like you're living in a pinball machine? Wouldn't it be great with the guard? I mean, the storm just raging around you and you just stand there going, ain't God good. Do you remember another picture of this somewhere? Mark chapter four, they were in another boat. Isn't it funny how everywhere Jesus went, a storm followed Can I get a witness? Every time you try to follow Jesus, you're going to be in a storm. Do you notice every single time he put them in it? You better think about this following Jesus. Listen, listen to it. Let me tell you something. I'd rather have peace in the middle of the storm than be without Jesus in the coast. All right. Do you remember Mark chapter four? He put him in the boat. Another storm came up and they said, we are dying. What did Jesus say? Remember what Jesus was saying? Do you remember this? Jesus was asleep. What's that all about? Maybe he had a long night the night before the crusade went too long. <laughs> what is God saying right there? You can sleep through the storms if you want to. Instead of screaming that you're going to die, you can be at perfect peace in the midst of the storm. I'm going to tell you something. It's possible. But let me, let me say this again. Wouldn't it be wonderful? Wouldn't it be wonderful if you didn't have a care in this world that affected you? Let's look at it. All right. Let's look at the how. Now let's turn to Philippians chapter four and let's flesh this thing out. I want you to see a little passage in Philippians four. I'm going to say it again. No passage of scripture, five verses, six verses has affected me more. Now listen, this won't get you into heaven. This will get heaven into you on this earth. This, this will put you in the most wonderful place. And because of the days we're living in and what I'm seeing happen in people's lives and what I'm hearing around the country, and around the earth right now, uh, you need this. You're going to need this till Jesus gets back. But this is that wonderful passage in Philippians. I, I memorized this years ago. I've practiced it. I want you to learn this. I want you to get it down in your heart. I want you to, I want you to practice it and do this. Just see if God tells the truth. I mean, I know we should see if God tells the truth. What if he does? All right. Philippians chapter four. I'm going to read the whole five verses, five, six verses. And I just want you to read this with me. It begins in Philippians 4, verse 4. Philippians 4, 4. Rejoice in the Lord during the sunshine. Rejoice in the Lord. Guess what the Greek word always means? Does that include during the storm? All right. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'm going to say rejoice. Y'all do that? I mean, to your children. Y'all do that to your children. You ever told them something twice? There's a reason he tells me something twice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with a grateful spirit, just let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, noble, just, pure, beautiful, good report, virtuous. If there's anything praiseworthy, Fix your mind on these things and don't take it off. All right. This is, this is the life-changing passage right here. You learn this passage. You begin to practice it. It's not easy for us. We've been trained contrary to this passage. But uh, you, practice, you begin to practice this. And let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to find out that, God, that this word works. I'm having to know you'll know the truth. And the truth will set you free from 
the fear and the worry. How many of you know the Lord Jesus Christ is not one of his people getting kicked around by the storms of life? The man who said, fear not, 360 times in this book does not want you to be afraid. The man who said, be worried for nothing will never worry you. And he doesn't want you to be worried. All right, I want you to look at this with me. Let me give you some words here. Let's walk through the process here. I want you to, now listen, practice it and perfect it. Word number one is the word in verse four, and these all start with re, is the word rejoice. And the Bible said, I want you to rejoice. Now listen to me carefully. We normally rejoice as a response to something. Man, if the sun's shining, I'm feeling good, I give thanks. And if the music's good in church, it gets me all stirred up. And if I get a raise, hallelujah. But notice that said always. Are you ready for a phrase? Here it is. It is a choice to rejoice. It is a choice to rejoice. I want to make an announcement. You can rejoice every moment of your life when things are going well and when things are not going well. You have to be able to. How else could you do it? Now you think the man that wrote this practiced it. Who wrote this? You don't know who wrote this. My beloved brother Paul wrote this. He's the same man who about four years earlier in Acts chapter 16 was preaching. He was arrested. He was beaten. He was tied to the whipping post. He was wounded. He was thrown in jail. He was locked in the dark. And the next verse says, and at midnight he was praying and singing hymns to God. So this man knew what he's talking about. He'd lived it before he wrote it. Dennis, let me tell you something. You can rejoice anytime you want to. Now, does it say rejoice because you're sick? Does it say rejoice because the land's going crazy? Does it say rejoice because you got married? No, what does it say? It says rejoice in the Lord. And dear ones, I'm going to tell you something. He's always there. You can always rejoice in him. Now, let me, let me just do a little. Let me, let me tell you what happens here. <clears throat> if you will rejoice, he will respond. But you have to start it. I told you about the, we grew up riding in a Studebaker pickup truck. Is anybody here old enough to remember Studebaker pickup trucks? You got to be old to remember them. Y'all, you young folks don't remember Studebakers? Golly, I forgot. I think they quit making them the year Mr. Lincoln got out of the White House. We had one and half the time it wouldn't crank. So you had to do what's called jump starting it. I don't even think you can jump start vehicles now with the electronics they got on and all that. That meant mom would get in there and she'd put it in second gear and push the clutch in and I'd turn the switch on us young as would get out behind it and push it down the road and she'd pop the clutch and it'd get the, it'd crank up. We'd run jump in the back and go to the store. That's called jump starting. Rejoicing is how you jump start the Holy Ghost inside of you. The spirit of joy and life is inside of you. Young preacher was getting his, he was getting worn out. His name was Timothy. And he went to one, there's 27 churches in the New Testament. Three of them were huge. And he was sent to be the pastor of one of the huge ones called the church at Ephesus. His beloved uncle Paul sent him there. And those people were wearing him out. And he wrote a letter to his uncle Paul and said, I quit. His uncle Paul wrote him back, first, second Timothy. And he said, you do not quit. You ain't quitting nothing. I'm not getting you out of the mess. He said, son. And he wrote to him in 2 Timothy 1, 6, which is also God speaking to me and you. And he said this, stir up the gift of God that is within you. Because God didn't give you that spirit of timidity and intimidation, but God gave you a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. But what did he tell him? That spirit of power and love and a sound mind is not going to help you a bit till you stir it up. You've got to jumpstart the Holy Ghost inside of you. And he told him that. That's 2 Timothy 1, 6, and 7. You need to memorize those verses. You should memorize a lot out of it. This thing's good. 
And he said, son, he said, you, instead of sitting there wanting to quit, he said, you're going to have to start rejoicing and stirring up the gift of God that's within you. All right. Did you know you can do this? How many of you believe if you're born again, the spirit of God inside of you? How many of you like it when the Holy Ghost just rises up and blesses the fire out of you? You don't have to wait. You can raise him up. You can do this in the house. You can do it in the bathroom at work. It's best if you've got a barn. You really should build your barn. If you're going to really be spiritual, you need a barn. Because you've got to have something to go out to or go behind. And, uh, you know, you, listen, we all, there's times when it feels like God has left us, but he's not. Just feels like it. There's times we get bad news. There's times things are, are just crazy in our lives. Don't give in to that stuff. As the old preachers used to say, find you a place and waller it out. You just get along, you find your place, you lift your hearts. I just want to praise you and thank you for your goodness. I want to magnify the Lord. And, and I, I really think you need to sing old songs to do this. And nothing wrong with the new ones. If you're young, sing the new ones. I'm old, I sing the old ones. But you, it's just so good when things are going. You do your best praising when things are at their worst. If you got a shop, I go to my shop. Get out in the shop and you just... Oh, you don't feel like it. If you wait till you feel like it, you ain't never going to make it. But you got a rare back and know he's in me, but he's tamped down right now. So I'm fixing to untamp him. And you just put your, your hands got to go in your back pocket too. And you just rare back and you just sing, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs. And you got to sing loud. To bear, that's why you need to get off. You need to buy a farm with a shop and buy some blue jeans. That's how you get filled with the Holy Ghost. And you just, you just rear back and sing. And listen, let me tell you what'll happen. Let me tell you what'll happen. To start with, this, this, you'll get this feeling like you look like an idiot. And then before long, all of a sudden, you'll quit feeling like an idiot. And all of a sudden, something will go. Brum, brum. All of a sudden, a sort of a stirring will happen. It's in your spirit, not in your head, in your spirit. And something will get to stirring down there. And before long, it'll join in there. It'll be like something just sort of rises up in you. Just bubbles up in you. And before long, you'll just be singing. Whoa, oh, what peace we often. This is why you got to be alone. Because when you start dancing, it bothers folks, especially at this age. And before long, you're just having yourself a spell. You know what that's called? Rejoicing in the Lord. You just rear back and wallow you out of place and praise his name. And I'm telling you, if you'll take the first step, which is to rejoice in him, the Holy Spirit will always respond. He's in there. He can't not show up when you start worshiping him. All righty. And you can do that anytime. Now, if you don't have a barn and you don't have a farm and you're in a condo or something where people are listening, atheists on both sides. <laughs> You can still rejoice. If you're in an office, you can do it. But listen, let me tell you something. Everybody has always got something bad around them. But everybody has always got something to be thankful for. It's just a matter of what you stare at. And I've found that by even when I'm in a, I can be in the worst meeting. How many of you hope that they have meetings in heaven? That'd be hell to me. I ain't going. I can be in the worst meeting and just, you know, just sort of, What's Elvis had a great hymn, Lord Almighty, feel my temperature rising. You just, that stuff's going on. And I'll just say, my favorite, they think I got kidney problems. I got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I just slip out and go to the bathroom. I get in a closed stall and I just want to say, I am so thankful that I had legs to get out of bed this morning. 
A lot of folks wish they had what I've got. I want to thank you that I got a job. I want to thank you I got a woman that loves me. I want to thank you I got friends that care about me. I want to thank you that I got, I don't have a red bass boat no more. I got a green one now. I want to thank you that you've been good to me. I should have been in hell and you rescued me. And before long, if you'll just start thanking him, something down inside of here will just go. <laughs> you've always got something to rejoice about, even on your worst day. And there's somebody worse than I am. And to rejoice is a choice. Word number two is found in verse five. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. The word is relax. First is rejoice. Second is relax. Now that word gentleness, you think of a mousy type of fella. That's not it at all. We don't even have a word for that Greek word that's there. But the best I can find, the best definition you can find is simply this. Let your laid back spirit be obvious. Just sort of, you know, if, if God Almighty himself came and stood right beside me, I promise you, I wouldn't be worried about nothing. I'm taking care of if he's here. What does it say? Tell me where the Lord is. Look in that verse. Where's the Lord? Does it say he's at hand? That means he's as close as my hand. He's here when I feel him and he's here when I'm not. I'm not. What does the Bible say? Let me give it to you in another translation. Prop your feet up on your desk and rear back. He got it all taken care of. Relax. Uh, the actual word is rest. And uh, what's the opposite of relaxing? Upset, worried, maybe figuring. But the Bible tells me and you to relax. He's here. Let me tell you something. I don't have to feel it for the Lord to be my shepherd. I shall not want. He jacks me up and gets me all worried. Is that what it says? He makes me to lie down. Guess when you lie down? You're not nervous when you lie down. All right, I experimented with this yesterday just so I could tell you all this today. I ride a bike because I'm too old to run. I quit running a couple years ago. So I ride a bike every day for exercise. And I left my little drive yesterday, about a half mile to the main, we call it the hard surface road. And my neighbor raises cows. He's a cowboy, a cow farmer, a cattleman. <clears throat> and he's got a bull on his farm that is bullzilla. It's the biggest bull I've ever seen in my life. It's, it's just, it's just, it's solid black and he is humongous. I mean, he's like the Mr. Bull on double steroids. He's huge and he rules the farm with truth, not with no truth and no grace, but he rules the farm. And I left and I turned out of my drive and he had laid down right beside the road, right against the fence, right there as I was coming up to him up there. And he was laying down there and he had his head up and he was chewing his cud. Y'all ever seen a cow chew their cud? They slow just real so he was doing it and he was parallel with the road looking down the road that I was going down well I just pulled up beside him I just pulled over right beside him within 10 feet of him right there fence is between us thank God right there and I just said to him I'm a half a mind to come across that fence and slap you right upside your head I said it to him and then I said to him do you want me to come over and knock you out and you know what he didn't even turn around to see who was talking. He didn't even look over there. He just kept staring straight ahead and kept chewing. Didn't even pay me no attention whatsoever. You know what he was doing? Uh, he, was, he was letting his laid back spirit be known to this stupid preacher who's out there on the side of the road talking to a cow. And I just did, I started laughing and I, just, I began to pray and I said, Lord Jesus, I want to be full of bull. I said, I pray in Jesus' name to be so much like that bull right there 
that when all these little imps start running their mouths, I don't even look around to see who's talking. I don't even want to stand up. I just want to keep chewing. If you have tasted that the Lord is good, I'm just going to keep chewing on the goodness of the Lord and let them yak. I'm not even going to bother looking over there. He was so relaxed. I thought about going over, but then I thought, I don't think I will go over there. What's the Bible tell me and you there? The Lord's at hand. Just let people see that you have relaxed in the Lord. You say, Brother Brown, you don't know what's going on in my life. Listen to me, dear ones. We've got to get to the place where we can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil. Not because we're tough, because thou, O shepherd, art with me. We've got to start believing what this book says. Got to start believing what the man says and then practicing it. I'm going to say this over and over, whether you feel it or not. The word is relax. I just like relax. We're just living in a day where people need to relax. Everybody in this land needs to relax. Let me make an announcement. The Lord ruleth in the affairs of men. Give it to him. Word number three. <laughs> Here it is. God's fixing to give you one of the greatest gifts on earth in one verse. Let's look at it. Verse six. Be worried for nothing. You see the word anxious right there. Uh, Marimna. Uh, be worried, upset, bothered, nervous, troubled for what? What does it say? For nothing. All right, we got to have a little theological discussion here about the Bible. <clears throat> I maybe think it would be possible to reach a place in your life where you don't have a care in this world. You never worry about anything. You're never upset. You're never worried. You never I maybe think that it would be possible to get there. I maybe think this man tells the truth. Dear ones, I've had people argue with me about this. When I read it, I said, praise God, that's some of the best news I ever heard in my life because 90% of my problems in this life are not what's out there, it's what's in this head. It's not the mess, it's my worrying about the mess. It's not the junk, it's my anxiety about the junk. It's not what's gonna happen, it's my fear about what's gonna happen. 90% of my problem is the mess on the inside, not the outside. What if I could erase all that junk? Let me just ask you a question. Wouldn't it be wonderful? Wouldn't it be, the great, be, be so good to be to the place where you didn't have a care in this world? Me and mom was watching one of them female movies the other day. Y'all know what a female movie is? It's what good, well, I, I don't know if it's Hallmark or not, but it's close. I'm praying one day those writers at Hallmark come up with a new idea, but nevertheless, we was watching this thing and it was a lady, she'd brought a bunch of street people and drug addicts into her house trying to help them. And this one girl was so upset and just all terrified and whatnot. And the lady walked in one night, she was laying in the bathtub and just didn't have a care in this world, just smiling at her. It's because she'd gotten on back on drugs. And you say, well, that's drugs. How many of you know Jesus is better than drugs? Wouldn't it be great to be at a place where you didn't have a care in this world? Why'd he put that in there? I read this and it sounded like the most wonderful thing in all the world to me. But I want you to notice something. Be anxious for nothing. Looks to me like I have to make a decision there. Did he say, I'm going to take it away from you? Or did he say, you're going to have to make a decision? I got to make a decision. Listen to me. I want you to decide this. I refuse to worry for the rest of my life. He said, Brother Brian, I, I don't think I can do it. Now you're worrying about worrying. Listen to me. Just listen to the man tonight. Just listen to the word and he'll tell you how. But I, wouldn't it be great to make a decision and say, I have worried enough in this life. 
It's given me ulcers. It's robbed me of the joy of, of, of being able to sing and celebrate and enjoy my life. Fear has robbed me of night's rests. How many of you know he's a thief? And he comes to steal what God died to give us. And this is, listen, this right here robs us of a great life more than anything else. The mess between our ears is what does the thieving, the robbing. And I want you to make up your mind that it's going to, that it could happen. And let me tell you something else. My heavenly father don't play games with people either. If he put this in here, he means to do it. And when I read this, I said, I've never known anybody that did that, but I'm going to tell you what, it's in your word. You show me how, and I'll do my best to get there. That's the attitude we ought to have when we see something in the word that don't make a lick of sense and I never seen nobody do it. But if you'll show me how, I'll get there. All right, watch this. Be worried for nothing. Anxious, upset, bothered, nervous for nothing, but in everything. Somebody take a wild guess what the Greek word everything means. Big thing. How about big things like family problems and uh, disease? How about big things. How about little things? It was everything means everything in everything by prayer and supplication or petition with a grateful spirit. Just let your requests be made known unto God. Here's word number four, release. Take every problem in your life, every care, every burden, every battle. And what did Tim do with that verse right there? You just release it to the Lord. Just give it over to the Lord. How do you do that? Well, what did it say? You pray about it and you, and what do you have to add to your prayer? What does it mean with Thanksgiving? Uh, you pray and you just pour your heart. Lord, we got this problem with a, we got a child. We got this problem. And we don't know what to do. And Lord, I'm nervous. And Lord, it's upset. Listen, you, that's the wrong way to pray. It's the wrong way to pray. You got a problem with a child. You bow your head and listen, people are having a lot of trouble with their older children these days. You bow your head and say, Father, I want to praise you and thank you in the name of Jesus. That the eyes of their hearts are going to be opened. And the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Christ is going to come on them. And your light's going to shine in their hearts. And all my children are going to be taught of the Lord. Obviously, you've got to find the promise of God. But with thanksgiving, don't, don't tell him what the problem is. He knows. Thank him for the answer. Quote his word to him. Father, I praise you and thank you. We're struggling in this marriage. And it hurts. But I praise you and thank you that the two shall be one. This is called faith. When you begin to praise him and thank him according to his word, I'm bringing this to you. I'm giving this to you. Father, I struggle with this habit that's killing me and I've tried everything, but in the name of Jesus, you're the deliverer. And I praise you and thank you that the truth's going to set me free. And I want to worship. I'm bringing it to you now. There's just something because he honors the will of man. There has to be an act of getting it over on him. You got to get it to him. And you got to bring it to him. Let me show you the matching verse. Now this, this word, um, again, the word anxiety, it's actually the word, some Bibles translate this, be careful for nothing. Well, it doesn't mean be careful like walking in the dark. You spell it C-A-R-E-F-U-L-L, -L, just full of cares and worries and concerns. So don't do that. Let me show you the matching verse to this one. You need to memorize both these verses. Turn me to 1 Peter chapter five. I found this verse one day and when I read it, something inside my spirit just melted. And I knew the Holy Ghost had said, and I just X marks the spot. Stay right here for a while. And it's a short little verse, but it's one of the greatest promises God ever made. This won't get you into heaven, but it'll get heaven into you. This won't get you into eternal life, but it'll get you into abundant life. I want you to look with me in first Peter chapter five, one of the greatest promises in the Bible. First Peter chapter five, verse seven. 
casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. What am I, how many of you in here got any cares? We all do. We got bills to pay. We got responsibilities. We got problems we're trying to work through. Everybody's got problems and cares and concerns. What the Bible tell me to do with all my cares? What I do with them? Every single one of them, what I do with them. You know what cast means, don't you? Literally, the, the Greek read, would read like this, rolling your cares off on him. Roll them off on him. Fellow's carrying a big sack, about to break him down. Another fellow comes up and says, here, just roll it off onto my back. That's the literal picture of that word right there. But literally, you just take all your problems and everything, you just go, and where do I send them to? On him. See the word care, all your care, it's the same word for be, the anxious is translated in Philippians 4, 6. So does that mean, does that mean with every problem I've got, my church is my responsibility, my job's my responsibility. I got my aging parents, we got, I got the things to look after. I got financial responsibilities. I got stuff I'm dealing with with people. Does that mean I just take every, every responsibility in my life and just, just give it over to the Lord? Is that what it means? That's exactly what it means. Wouldn't that be wonderful? What if God Almighty would take every need of my life? Now, let me ask you this. Look in that verse right there. Why should I do it? What does it say? Casting all your cares on him because he, that is not the same word as casting your cares on him. That's a different word. We would translate this word. He's deeply concerned about your well-being. If one of my kids came to me, and you do this too. If one of my kids came to me and said, Daddy, we got, this, we got caught off guard. We got this bill. We can't pay it. And, it, you know, we didn't, we didn't go out and gamble it away. We didn't do anything stupid. I'd probably help them even if it was stupid. But, you know, with this came an unexpected medical bill and we can't pay it. We got to have help. Do you think I'd do something about it? Guess why I'd take care of my children? I care about my children. What does it say right there? The creator of this universe cares about every need of your life. But do you notice, tell me if you see something in that verse. He can't help you with a thing till you do something. Do you notice that? He died to save me, but he can't save me till I do I, I faith, till I ask him to. Dear ones, he can't handle my problems till I give them to him. And I got to cast them on him and give them to him. That's why the Bible said in Philippians 4, 6, don't you worry about it. Don't you be anxious about it. You just take it and give it to the Lord and thank him that he's got it handled and just give it over to him. How many times? Now, dear ones, listen, in my job, Nobody in here's probably got a job like I do. But a lot of responsibility with my job. You know, there's a lot of people, if you know, if the, you know, if the gasoline don't get delivered, it's just late. You know, if the house don't get built, we'll buy another. But in my line of work, people's lives are on the line and, and families are on the line. You know, one of the, I'll just, I'm going to give you one for an example because I want you to know this stuff works. I had a man here at this church, 20 some years old, came and I, he called and I met him and sat down. He was addicted, struggling with addiction. One of the nicest young men. Just, just unusually nice young man, very smart, wasn't a typical addict. And I met with him a couple of times and talked to him and trying to get him some help. And we'd do okay for a few days and then we'd get in trouble. And I got him a job with a fella here and he was doing good. And uh, then this past Sunday, he came up to him and said he was found dead this morning of an overdose. Well, you know, I, that just, you just can't bear that kind of weight personally. Because, you know, I did everything I could, but you think, what if I'd, what if I'd have done something a little bit more? And, and, you know, you just, you live under the pressure of wanting to help people. We're not kind of way to just break you down. If you didn't know how to take it and say, now, Lord Jesus, I can't carry this, but you can. And I bring the cares of these people's lives to you. And we're concerned about our children. We want our children to do well. You can't fix your children. You can't get it. You can't even get them to be home on time when they're 16. 
can't get them to shut up when they're seven. What do you mean you can handle this? But wouldn't it be great if we just take all the concerns for our family and just, just take them, just throw them over on the Lord. What's the Bible say right here? Dear ones, if you can't trust this verse to handle the cares of your life, you can't trust John 3, 16 to save you. You can trust this book. And this is one of the greatest days of my life when I found out I could just stop wherever I was at and just pray a simple prayer and say, now I just bring this to you. And a lot of times I'll just take my hand and just go like it's yours now. And I want to praise you and thank you that it's in your hands and it's not my responsibility anymore. And I thank you and praise you for having a father that'll do this for me. I don't have any cares. They're all his now. Boy, wouldn't that be great to live like that where you just don't have any burdens? Now, how many of you know this? The enemy of your soul liable to slip back in there and get in your head and say, what you going to do about this? You just tell him, I don't have no problems no more. I've given them to the Lord. They're his. And with thanksgiving and I praise you and thank you. How many times have I prayed and the answer didn't come right then, but I knew he had it. And I, I got it over on him. But the great battle of faith, just like Simon walking on that water, I didn't see the answer right away and the storm still raged, but I done prayed and give it to him. And there's a great battle to stay in faith while you're waiting on the answer to show up. And you know how you do that? I want to praise you and thank you that it's done. And I'll just quote the verse and just carry on. I heard a preacher years ago preach on this. A fellow helped me so much. And he said, uh, I'm just starting out in the ministry as a traveling evangelist, which means your family's going to starve. He said, I'm just starting out. And said, my old car was wore out. I couldn't afford a new one. I'm trying to make payments. And I was two months behind on my car payment. And uh, one more and they're going to come possess it. And then I can't go nowhere to preach it. Sure enough, starve then. And he said, I went to bed. said, two o'clock in the morning. I just woke wide awake. And this voice in my head said, what are you going to do about that car payment? Car payment's due tomorrow and you don't have the money. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And he said, uh, you know, I tried to go to sleep. And how many of you know that the devil just won't let you go to sleep sometimes? Now what? Listen, you say, I don't know, devil, we call it worry, but it's really just the devil between your ears. And he'd go on about that mess. And finally, he said, I just got out of the bed. So I've worried about this enough. He said, now, Lord said, your word said that I could cast all of my cares on you. He said, we haven't lived extravagant. We've, we've lived wise, but we just don't have the money. And I don't have the money for that car payment. He said, I'm fixing to take my car payment and cast it over on you. That's a good idea right there. I'm just going to cast it over on you and said, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you and said, I just cast it over on you. He said, I just did that. And said, I looked back and it was still stuck to my hand. Sort of like sticky flypaper. It just stayed right there. He said, it took me about a half hour to run it and get that thing over on him, which I mean, you get peace in your heart about it. And he said, I just went back to bed and went back to sleep. Four o'clock in the morning, I woke wide awake and this voice said to me, what's your car payment do tomorrow? You ain't got no money. What you going to do? And he said, I just smiled and said, I don't have a car payment. He said, what do you mean you don't have a car payment? He said, I don't have a car payment. He said, I gave that to the Lord. It's him. Why don't you go bother him and see what happens to you? This thing doesn't fall like a ripe chair, but we have got to learn to take our problems to the Lord and leave them there. Anybody old enough remember the old song we sang years ago? Leave them there, leave them there. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. If you'll trust and never doubt, God will surely bring you out. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. We need to get back. To, listen, instead of sitting around and holding each other's hand and spewing out our problems, we need to learn to take our burdens to the Lord and leave them there and get them to him and with thanksgiving and praise, let him have it. I want you to memorize 1 Peter 5, 7. And I want you to pray, Holy Spirit, bring this to my mind when I need it. And I want you to practice. It's a wonderful life when Jesus carries the load. Turn back with me to Philippians chapter four. I want you to see a couple more here. In Philippians chapter four. Now we read that, we're gonna read verse six again. Be anxious for nothing, be worried for nothing, but in everything just pray and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 
And then verse seven says, and the peace of God. Then as we take our problems, give them to him and a quietness will come over you and you'll just know, praise God, he's taking care of it. It's all his. Now, Demons, listen to me. This can be a fight. It can be a battle sometimes, but it is worth it. It's well worth it. I want you to know the love of God so deep for you, his care for you so deep that everything that comes your way right down to, I can't find the fingernail clippers. Read it. Did he say everything? Casting all your cares on him. I want you to get to know how much he loves you so much that you can come to him with those profane thoughts in your mind and walk straight up to him and say, now you said if I had a problem, I could bring it to you. I don't want it. I need your help. And I mean, every battle you have, take it straight to him because he cares for you. Wouldn't it be great? Let me tell you something. One of the greatest verses about the Holy Spirit is in James chapter four. Do you not know that the spirit who lives in you yearns jealously to help you? You know, my wife, she does things around us. She don't like to be asked for help. She likes to do it on her own. She's just a servant. And she'll be trying to do something, you know, and I'll just think, all you got to do is ask me. I mean, it's not that I'm smarter. She's smarter, but I'm taller and I'm stronger. Oh, she, she just asked me. I can go over. She's up there. Mom, mom, and I'm sitting right there at the bar. Just ask me. I get it. Are you with me? Now, some of you don't have wives like it. They want, they just want, they want to sit at the bar and let you do the whole thing. Well, that's different. But it was the whole, that's the Holy Spirit of God. He says, you don't, you don't know how much I want to help you. Know ye not that the Spirit yearns jealously to help you, but you got to ask. You got to ask him. I want us to learn to pray without ceasing. And just everything that comes up, just give it over to him. Wouldn't it be great? Refuse to worry and uh, release it to him. And listen, let me help you with something here. Do it immediately. Now, I mean, if the whole world's watching, you can't do it right now. But learn to do stuff immediately. Don't, don't suffer all night and then pray the next day. You, you got a problem. You take two, you get open a bill, you get surprised or something. Just, Oh, well, we got to pray, pray right then. And when, when a problem comes up, just pray right then. Just learn to just pray immediately with stuff. Just pray out in public. I, I mean, I mean, at the, at the moment say, well, you know, tomorrow I'll pray about it. You're going to suffer between now and then learn to pray about stuff immediately. Just take it to him. So what if he don't hear he's on call 24 seven. He's there. All right. Let me throw one more in here. And this is the cap verse of this whole thing. What would the condition of my life be if I were just a man who just rejoiced in the Lord? I were relaxed. I refused to worry. I released all my problems to Him. What would be the condition of my life? Would that not be a great life? This is the abundant life He promises, right? If we get the mess between our ears straightened out, usually everything out here is fine. If we can get this done, and then the capstone verse is verse eight. And let me tell you what, in verse eight, the word is restrict. All right, listen, it's rejoice, relax, refuse, release, restrict. Restrict your thinking. Dear ones, a disciplined mind is a blessed life. We have got to learn to discipline our minds. And uh, I find that the undisciplined mind is the devil's play field. The undisciplined mind is the devil's playground. And if you just leave your mind wide open and you just let thoughts flow through here and all the garbage and the junk comes through here, it's going to rack your life. You have got to restrict your mind or discipline your thinking. All right. Now I want you to notice in that verse, in verse eight, he gives you eight parameters that your thinking should stay within. And I've memorized these eight words. I've taken them out of different translations because they're, they're better words for me. And I'm going to give you the eight words. 
I've made, and I memorized this and I began to practice it. And I found out that it's a great blessing to me. I want it to be to you. I've made up my mind. If it is not true, inspiring, excellent, pure, beautiful, encouraging, honorable, and make you want to shout, I'm not going to think about it. Now, you know, if somebody walks up and gets critical, I'm going to naturally think about that. But quick as I can get away from them, I'm not going to dwell on it. I'm going to get back something that's encouraging. Now, if I see something that's profane and filthy, I can't help but think about that through my eye gate. But just as quick as I can, I'm going to get to something beautiful. I'm going to get to something honorable. Listen, I want you to memorize those eight words. And, and you can use these. It's just those are, these words are a little more understandable for you and I. But I've memorized these words. And many a time, especially... When I'm leaving the house, as soon as I get in my truck to leave, I'll just say, all right, mind. Y'all talk to your mind. Start. Tell it. You know, my wife's dog, I tell you, you ain't going out there. And there he goes. An undisciplined mind is like my wife's dog. You can't do nothing with it. How many of you know we got rebel minds at time? I had to put a shock collar on my wife's dog because he was running cows. And he is such a rebel it's got, it's got like one to six. The six shocks you the most. I turned it straight up to six right off the bat. He will go to the edge of that line. He knows where the line is. He'll go right to the edge and he'll put his head down and, and wait for a minute and then he'll run through it. Knowing you're going to get shocked for 10 seconds. But it's worth it to him to be free. Don't be like that dog. I just got this picture of believers with shock collars around their heads. <laughs> a lot of times when I'm leaving, I'll just quote this verse and I'll say, today, if it's not true and it's not encouraging and it's not honorable and it doesn't inspire me and it doesn't build me up and it's not beautiful, it ain't coming through this head today. Because you've got to discipline your thinking. Now, let me ask y'all a question. When you look at that passage of verse eight, where the, your heavenly father tells you, don't think outside of these parameters. How many of you think he's being hard on you and sucking all the fun out of your life? It's one of the greatest gifts he could ever give you is to say, listen, don't let your mind run around in the profane, the critical, the negative, the foul, the wounded. Get your mind up here. As my daddy used to say, get your head right, boy. We got to get our minds right. This is such an important part of life right here. What would my life be like if I was a man that my thinking was like that? I worried for nothing. I took every problem that came along, just immediately handed them to the Father. And I spent all my time rejoicing in the goodness of God. What would my life be like? That's exactly the life he's painted right here. And it's the most wonderful. There was a disciplined mind is such a blessed mind. Now, let me, let me point something out here according to verse eight and this whole passage. A full mind leaves no room for horny head to get in there. The way you keep air out of a glass is not to scream. The way you keep air out of glass is to fill it with water. The way you keep your mind pure and right and blessed and not have a tormented mind which leads to a dark spirit is keep it full of the things that are true and pure and wonderful and beautiful. Those great promises. Let me talk to you for just a minute about your head. <clears throat> How many of you got this book right here? Y'all ever had this book right here, Battlefield of the Mind? I mean, y'all got that? Why not? Every, if, if a believer were to say to me, I can't buy but one book in my life besides the Bible, this is it right here. Get this book right. This is the only book that stays on my desk all the time. 
and it lays right up on the top of my desk at home. A lot of times I keep it with just, I don't need to read it. I've already read it so many times. I can just open the uh, table of contents and renew them. But just seeing it reminds me, there is a war for your head for you go out there today, son, remember to fight. You are in a battle for your head and the enemy of your soul will wage war. If he can get your mind, he can ruin your life. The battle is always for the mind. That's why the scripture talks about gird up the loins of your mind and put on the helmet of salvation to protect your head because the battle is for your mind. That's why Jesus was crucified. Do you remember where Jesus was crucified? What was the name of it? The place of the skull. Because the battle is always for a crucified mind to get my mind submitted to him. And uh, the enemy will rack your brain and rack your mind. And uh, as my daddy used to say, my daddy was, he's got the most common sense any man I ever knew. I only went through high school and he went back when there's only 11 grades. But I'd, got in, I'd get in trouble when I was young and, and he'd always say something like this. Had no business being out there. If you hadn't have been out there, you wouldn't have gotten that mess. And I'd think, what you gonna do, argue with that? But you know, I got in trouble. I had no business being out there. Let me make an announcement. Your mind's got no business going places it goes. If your mind didn't go there, you wouldn't have gotten a mess. Our minds need to be fixed on whatsoever things are true, beautiful, wonderful, encouraging, inspiring. And we have got to discipline. I've never seen a day in my life like this day right now where Satan is playing racquetball with the brains of people in this nation. And I mean, he has captured the minds of a nation. But I'm gonna tell you something. I don't care what's going on in the nation or your family or this land or anything else. This word is still true. He is still God and he is still on his throne. And we need to get our heads lined up with this word. And uh, normal, a normal Christian life is a life of joy and peace and encouragement and hope and faith. Guess why? Because one day Jesus is gonna step back to this earth and all those lips are gonna be zipped and he alone will be heard. When I'm praying for our nation every day over the land, I just, I start by saying this, Father, every voice silent except yours right now. And you need to pray that over your life, your family, your land. I want every voice to be silent except his. And when you hear his voice, guess what? He speaks and the sound of his voice is so sweet. And he'll speak peace in your heart. He'll speak hope. He'll speak encouragement. And instead of the garbage and the pain and the condemnation and the crap, crap's a Hebrew word for condemnation. We have got, listen, the battle is for the mind. That's why Philippians 4, 4 through 8 is where you win the battle of the mind and you press in. You, you got to command your mind. I don't want you to do something. I want you to learn this. You may listen to me tonight and agree with me and lose it tomorrow. The book of James says this, don't be like a man who sees the promise of God in the word and then walks away and forgets it. Hang on to this thing. I want you to learn this. Matter of fact, just memorize all five verses. You can do it. You know the songs, you know all the words in them dumb country songs. Memorize something to do you some good. Let's learn this and listen, start by practicing it. Just practice it. Every morning when I, when I, I hit consciousness every morning, I start right then. I am not going to give the enemy a chance. I don't even get out of the bed until I start this stuff. And the first thing out of my mouth every morning is praise God. This is the day the Lord has made. I am so fortunate to be alive today. And if it, it, I say the sun is shining and tomorrow it's going to be raining, I'm going to say, praise God. I like taking baths. I like clean water. He has blessed us with rain. I, you just start before we ever get out of the bed. 
And I just say, this is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. I'm going to walk in light, not in darkness. I'm going to love people. I'm going to care about people. And then after I say that for a little bit, I say, and now it's time for a whole wheat toast and blueberry jam. Get out of bed, son. And, and I'll get out of bed and I'll just say, look at yourself. Look at yourself. Well, I don't look at myself when I get out of bed because I sleep naked. You don't see that one out there. <laughs> but the point is, <laughs> I lost you then. Come back with me. The point is, I think about all my friends in nursing homes who would love to be able to get out of bed. And look at me. I got up and I can stand up this morning. I own a home. I'm not in prison. God's blessed the fire to me. There's blueberry jam in the kitchen. Get with it, son. And I start by being thankful first thing. Listen, you have got to fight the good fight of faith. Just like Simon, when you're out there walking above the junk, you got to stay above the junk. All right, listen to me. Practice this thing. Practice, all right? Today, and I put it on cards. Write those eight words down on a card. Take them with you to work tomorrow. Pull them out once a month and say, oh, I'm thinking about how dumb my old lady is. That ain't pure and that ain't encouraging. I better get off this. This is so much fun. Practice it. Now listen, and you'll reach a place for long, you'll start to perfect this. Now listen to me. You will never be perfect at it. There's going to be days when you're going to get knocked on your fanny. There's going to be days when you're going to catch your mind like my wife's dog. It has busted through the collar. It's where it's got no business being. Guess what you do then? Don't quit. Say, get back over here where you belong. You can always start over. One of the greatest passages, Matthew 14. Simon messed up, didn't he? He sunk, didn't he? But did he call on Jesus? Here's the picture. Here's the boat. 11 people that wanted to be saved but didn't want to walk on water. There's a whole lesson there. And Jesus is out here and Simon walks out here to him and Simon sinks and he hollers on Jesus. Do you think Jesus drug him all the way back through the water? Do you think that's what happened? (laughs) Of course he didn't. He picked him back up. Dear ones, when you find yourself under the garbage and under the junk, holler for Jesus and get back up. All right. Do you ever talk to yourself? One more. You talk to yourself. You need to start. I talk to myself a lot. That's why nobody can ride with me. They don't want to listen to me talk to me. And I find myself pretty direct because I'm committed to this. I want to live above the junk of life. I want to live above the crowd. I don't want to live like, him, like this stuff. I want to live above it. And I'll find myself saying, now you know better than this. You know better than this. Get your mind right, son. And straighten it up. And you need to talk to yourself and say, this is not where Jesus wants me to live. And I want to rise above this thing. I'm going to make an announcement. If this book is true, you're not a helpless victim. You're a victor in Christ Jesus. And you find, let me quote, I'm going to quote one more. Can I have one more? I got time. I'm going to quote one more. This Bible is very clear. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. I'm going to start walking like he's greater and living like it. Now, if you want to know the truth, guess what truth will do to you? Uh, people miss, they, they misquote this. I'm going to quote it to you the way people quote it and it's wrong. Have you ever heard this? You shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. You ever heard that? It's not right. That's only half of it. You've got to quote everything the man said. Here's the whole verse that he said. If you abide in my word, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. You, you, you know the truth by staying in this word and keeping this word inside of you and saying, this is the truth of God and this is where I'm going to live right here. And when old horny head comes up and says, well, I'm just going to tell you, horny head came up to me in the form of an old lady one night. 
How many of the devil come dressed up like an old woman once in a while? You boys be careful. They come dressed up like a young woman sometimes, but it came up an old lady that night. And I just preached my heart out on be worried for nothing, live your life. God means you to live it and enjoy it and rejoice in him. And I got down, this back in the country church, back when you went back and shook hands with folks at the rear. And I walked in and, old, you know, dear old sister smell fungus, she come up there and she's about 105 and she walked up there and she said, now preacher, you know, you, you know good and well, you just can't help but worry. You know better than to tell these people that. And you see, there'd been a time as a young theologian, I'd have said, but I'd played Baptist Billy Goat with her, but, 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 I ain't going to do that. I just thought to myself, amen, sister, but we had to have church and it's all I knew to say. But I thought to myself, you live under the storm, I'm going to live above the storm. I did my part. I told you his words, up to you with what to do with it now. I wouldn't have dare said that because her husband's chairman of the deacons ought to got fired. So I just sort of let it go. All right, I want to apologize for being relaxed in church. I know you're supposed to be stiff and serious about this stuff. Pardon me if I'm relaxed because the Lord is at hand. I'm going to celebrate his goodness and I want you to enjoy your life. I hate for you to get to heaven and stand in front of Jesus, beaten, bruised, battered, sucking wind, blowed all apart, standing there and I did it for you, Jesus. And him just smile and say, you didn't have to live like that. He's going to tell you, you could have had a V8. What do you think about that? Wouldn't that be great? You could have enjoyed the ride, son. You could have had a blast out there. Okay, I'm done. Lord Jesus, I praise you and thank you for your goodness. I just don't believe that you meant for your people to be beat up, defeated, their minds tormented, racked, confused, scared, upset, worried about money and children and, and what people thought and the fear of the future. I don't think you meant for your people to live like that. This word is true. Your word is very clear that thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus over our enemies, over death, hell, and the grave, over our thought life, over our past life. You mean for us to walk in victory and I give you the praise and glory. I pray for my brothers and sisters. I love my people. I love them. And Lord Jesus, I want them all to have eternal life through the cross but I want them to have abundant life through the word in this life. I thank you for your word. We give you all the praise and glory. And I would pause our hearts as we remember, we will celebrate that God almighty left his throne and became a baby so that we could have eternal, abundant, overcoming life in this life and forevermore. I give you all the praise and glory. You are wonderful. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen.